You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 261st edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 860th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of August 18th, 2022. I'm your host, the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment occurred today with the Big Ten announcing new media rights um, for the Big Ten for many sports, but mainly football and basketball. Uh, They have new agreements with Fox, CBS, NBC, and Peacock Streaming Service to provide coverage for multiple sports in the Big Ten over uh, several years. I think the deal is around $7 billion. Could mean close to uh, $80 to $100 million to each Big Ten school over the course of of the contract. So what does this mean? As fans, we'll have to find some new places and new channels to watch – our Hoosiers and possibly a, a subscription uh, to purchase um, in a streaming uh, dev- a service in order to find uh, Indiana basketball, both men's and women's, uh, this year at times. It also means that Indiana will have some extra money to spend on its athletic department going forward. Exactly how this money will be spent will be uh, quite interesting to follow. However, uh, the money that will be used is obviously a plus for Indiana and all schools in the Big Ten. So stretch those thumbs, uh, make sure the batteries in the remote are are fresh, and get ready uh, here in a year or so to watch the Big Ten on several big-time outlets uh, coming to a a place near you. Now let me introduce our co-host for tonight, returning from surgery off the disabled list and back into the house for uh, a little conversation. It is... Finding every wrinkle he hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. It is Ryan Phillips. Uh, like I said, uh, it's good to have you back and glad everything is, is going well. We missed you. And uh, what's on your mind tonight? Thanks, buddy. Uh, obviously, the rights deal is what everyone's talking about. And and I think that we're just going to dive in and sort of discuss this after this rant. But uh, it's obviously a huge deal. It's $7 billion. Obviously, it starts out a little smaller. It's not it's not a billion every year. It's a, it starts out a little smaller and it gets bigger as, as the time goes on. And as USC and UCLA join, I think that's a huge part of getting it to where it was financially um, and, and essentially taking over CBS Sports's uh, football coverage from the SEC as, as the SEC is sort of moving to ABC and, and ESPN sort of taking that spot. Um, I, I do think there is one negative here and we can get into it and how much of a negative it is. And it is that Indiana basketball will no longer be on ESPN. And I think that, or at least in the big 10, I think that's going to be a hit that the big 10 doesn't see coming here. Um, ESPN rules college hoops and it, it, it always has, and I think it always will have a big part 
in the story of college hoops and not having the big 10 there, I think will be bad for ESPN. And I think it'll be also bad for the big 10 because you're not getting the ESPN's presentation of college basketball is the best. It is by far the best. They have the best anchors. They have the best uh, 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 play-by-play, the best color, the best analysis. I just think it's a hit for both parties not to have worked out some kind of agreement. Uh, Dick Vitale will never do an ESPN game or do a Big Ten game again once this rights deal kicks in. I know some people, you know, <laughs> you know, can't stand Dick Vitale's broadcasting, but he's a big cheerleader for Indiana and always has been. Jay Billis, same way, a guy who you love when he's doing an Indiana game because not only do you get smart analysis, he's probably the best to do it, but he also has a soft spot for Indiana. And th- th- being on ESPN promotes the school to recruits. It promotes the school moving forward. So. I think while this deal had almost everything to do with football, I do think not carving out something for basketball to to do a a token number of games, big games on ESPN was a mistake for the Big Ten. And I think it's a mistake for ESPN not to not to try and push for some kind of term. So that's the one negative I see from this. Obviously, it's a huge positive in the, in the amount of money that the schools will be getting. Obviously, this is also very football heavy and football focused. And I think from a football perspective, I think it's the right move. And I think that the networks they get involved with Fox and and CBS are, and NBC are the right networks to get involved in for football. I just think that for basketball, and this is a basketball podcast, uh, I think that it, it is kind of tough uh, to not be on ESPN for basketball. And, and we'll discuss this more too, but you know, are we going to see the Big Ten ACC challenge, things that we, we kind of still like to see uh, with the Battle of the Networks. Those are things that, that we'll discuss uh, coming up. But here, here's what we'll have in store. We're going to talk about that a lot more here in segment one and some other Hoosier headlines. Uh, segment two, we're going to talk about minutes distribution. There's a good question from Phil in the community last week we didn't get to. Uh, we decided to do a whole segment on minutes distribution. That's coming up in segment two. And then segment three, as always, we get really good uh, questions from our community members. We have four or five um, there. So um, all of that is coming up this week on um, Assembly Call Radio. So now it's time to talk uh, about our presenting uh, sponsor, Homefield Apparel. And this edition of the Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, is presented by our friends at Homefield Apparel where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you'll find anywhere with beloved logos like two different versions of the Bison. They are just finishing one of their uh, series of big Saturday releases, and boy, they've had some big schools uh, in the last few weeks. Uh, So they have something for everyone, uh, for fans or Gredge from other schools, uh, considering their product line now is over 120 different schools with unique vintage logos for all of those schools. And no matter what you buy, you know it'll be comfortable and the colors will last through many washings. Plus, you're supporting an Indiana-based company that came up through uh, the Kelly Business School. What else could be better than that? So go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME, that's H-O-M-E, for 15% off your entire first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off. Once again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. All right, some Hoosier headlines before we get back to the media thing. It's move-in week in Bloomington, and so welcome to all uh, students and, and families who have been moving in, will move in, and, and 
you know, shout out to uh, our people who live in Bloomington. It always is a change from uh, summer in Bloomington, so enjoy. Uh, another headline, Coors Light is now the domestic beer of, uh, uh, of contract, maybe not of choice, uh, at, at the Hoosier events like soccer and baseball and football that are serving uh, beer at their events, not yet in Assembly Hall. Um, Amanda Foster on Inside the Hall had a really good article about some uh, of the women's basketball players who gained some international experience and how that's going to add to the bench depth of our outstanding women's program. So check that out. Uh, the Fan Fest is this weekend. There is an assembly call meetup organized by Valerie. Uh, supposedly, if you're there, supposedly meet up at the north entrance in front of the court on the wall for a photo about 15 minutes before the Fan Fest starts. So that's 15 minutes before the Fan Fest starts. Uh, look for a group of people uh, by the, the court that's hanging on the north uh, entrance. Uh, so there's more uh, in our community about that. So please um, put that on your um, phone reminder. DJ White retires from his professional basketball career. Congratulations, DJ, on not only a great professional career, but doing so much for your Indiana Hoosiers. And then, as we both have talked about in our opening remarks, the Big Ten media is between CBS Fox, uh, NBC, and Peacock streaming. And so, as Ryan said, and Ryan knows a lot more about this, but it's really heavily football-based uh, with CBS uh, televising seven games next year, moving up uh, to, I think, 14 to 15 regular season games in 2024. Uh, Fox will be the noon game. CBS will be 3.30. And then the new partner is NBC, which will have uh, a Big Ten Saturday night in prime time on the NBC network. And then Sunday night, they are going to have the NFL Sunday night. So they have back-to-back weekend nights with football, one college, one pro. Uh, and then NBC and Peacock um, is the streaming uh, part of NBC Universal. They are going to have – this affects our basketball uh, fans uh, – 47 regular season men's basketball games featuring Big Ten schools, 32 conference games, uh, and 15 non-conference for the women, 30 regular season games, 20 conference, and 10 non-conference women's games. So there's been a, there's a lot of discussion in the com- in the community today. Uh, it does look like a Peacock subscription uh, might be um, needed for a couple of Indiana games, and I'm sure that Indiana, being a a marquee name, is going to be on the streaming because they want subscriptions and they want people to do that. So maybe you subscribe. For the time period that covers Indiana basketball, that'll come out at the beginning uh, of of the season uh, when when this starts. And then um, the Big Ten tournament is going to be covered by CBS as usual. The semifinals and the finals, uh, the women's uh, championship is going to be covered by CBS um, also going forward. And then the Big Ten football championship game will rotate between CBS, Fox, NBC, Ryan. Make sense of this all, please, from you, – you did a really good job. Football and basketball perspectives, a lot of money. What's going on? Yeah, and and look, I think that the Big Ten's been negotiating this deal for a year almost, you know, at least seven months and, and probably more than that. And I think that – I think that the ESPN was, was – they wanted ESPN and ABC to be part of this in some way – but ESPN has thrown in with the SEC. And so the ESPN was not going to be part of handing the Big Ten a huge share of a billion dollars. It just wasn't. And, and I think that, again, the Big Ten 
it would have been nice if they had worked out some deal, like maybe 10 marquee basketball games. Uh, football wasn't going to happen. Football was going to be on CBS and, and Fox. Those were the two. And Fox is the big one because Fox has a huge piece of the Big Ten network. Um, Fox was always going to be part of this. Uh, CBS is losing the SEC, and therefore it made sense for them to take the Big Ten in some form. NBC, really, I you know, like many people, I think the deal with NBC may be part of smoothing a road eventually for Notre Dame to join and Notre Dame keep its own NBC deal and then maybe come in for their road games as part of the Big Ten deal and maybe be a separate entity that is attached to the conference in some way as it's done sort of with the ACC. Uh, I think that's how NBC gets involved here. And NBC is trying to beef up its college offerings and wants to have more than just Notre Dame. So it makes sense that they would go in on this. Um, the Peacock piece is going to upset people. I, I'm sorry. I'm not getting a Peacock subscription to watch what could be three Indiana games or two Indiana games a year. I'm not doing it. I will. I refuse to pay more. I already pay enough for everything else I get. I'm not paying for a Peacock subscription. I will either take, and I, I don't encourage anyone else to do this because it, you know, of what could happen, but I will either take somebody else's uh, subscription for that game, or I will find an alternative way to watch the game. We'll say, um, I refuse to do that. And so if, if part of this deal is the Big Ten saying, yeah, go get a Peacock subscription, screw you. I'm not doing it. I, I'm just not. Um, Peacock has nothing that I want. And the other thing is, is that for Peacock, you can get like The Office, but you have to watch it with commercials unless you're willing to pay a ton of money. And so it's like, you know, why would I do that? I have no interest in doing that. I have enough streaming services. I'm not getting Peacock. Um, but we have a little bit of time before that is a concern, obviously. Um that said, with this whole thing, I mean, it is it, it is football related. That's that's what drives the revenue. That's the big thing here. And so, when people talk about te- you know schools eventually joining the Big Ten, potentially uh, football is what matters. And so, I've heard a lot of people say like, "Why not get Kansas for basketball?" It's, it doesn't matter. Kansas's football team is terrible and brings no football revenue. Why would you bring Kansas in? Um, it's a it's a two way thing. I mean, the only the only bad team you might see them bring in is someone like Georgia Tech, who is connected to Atlanta, and that's a big media market. You might get you know somebody in Florida to try and get Miami as a bigger deal, you know, like University of Miami or something like that, who may not be a top football program but gets you a town, uh, Stanford to try and get you the Bay Area. Like there there are. That's what they're worried about if they go find a bad. But Kansas is in the middle of nowhere. They don't care about adding them for basketball. They don't care about, you know, adding uh, Virginia for, you know, although Virginia was on the list of teams that possibly could have joined the Big Ten, I think mostly because the academic standards fit what the Big Ten looks for. But they're not adding a huge market that 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 the Big Ten already doesn't have. With Maryland, they've already got D.C. Um, Virginia doesn't offer a whole a whole lot and they're not a good football team. And so I think that when you look at potential moves, the big 10 is going to make in the future. Football is the heart of everything. And it's the heart of this TV deal. And it will be the heart of college sports going forward. While we are a basketball centric podcast, what we talk about for the people who make money doing this and make money off of these conferences, basketball is a blip on the radar compared to football. And that's one, that's a reality that people just have to understand. From a basketball standpoint, I don't think the Peacock thing is going to be the bothersome thing. I have Peacock. I do it for a couple golf, um, big golf events in the summer. Um, but I was only going to have it for a couple months, and, and, and now I'm watching some soccer. So there's a little bit there that you might cross, 
you know, some fans have that for for, for that. But man, you got a, you got a lot of different Paramount Plus. All of those where people have to make choices. I wonder, Ryan. Like, there's always a a game or two, the buy games that are on Big Ten Plus. So does that still uh, provide? You know, the Big Ten Network still gets some games. Are they going to put some on there? So now you got to get the fourteen ninety nine a month Big Ten in the month of November. Almost certainly. For a couple games, you know, and then cancel that. And then, then you're going to have to check the Peacock schedule and see if you can't, you know, get it into a month or, or two uh, if you're going to, you know, subscribe in and, and, and subscribe out. It, it does hurt, you know, when, when you watch a lot of games on the Big Ten Network that you do ch- tune in to Big Ten basketball if it's, you know, maybe, uh, you know, a Michigan versus uh, Ohio State or something. If that ends up on the Peacock and, and you're not purchasing that, you're going to mi- miss out on some. So I, I do think that there's a little blip in this other than um, for football, it's exciting for, for football fans, I think, because you're going to have a noon primetime game. You're going to have a, a, a 3.30 on CBS and then a Saturday night primetime with some offshoots on FS1, uh, Big Ten Network. You are you are going to be able to to really be able to find some football games. But, um, you know, ultimately it's, it, it's, it's money. Do you think the money is going to make huge impact uh, for the schools? And, and Indiana, obviously Michigan has the, the stadium – uh, of a hundred and some thousand what do you what do you envision indiana doing with some of that 80 to 100 million dollars supposedly coming their way as a as a cut of this deal well i really hope they improve the facilities quite frankly and don't pocket it um you know i mean and don't pay administrators more and things like that i mean that's that's the big thing is is a lot of these rights deals and a lot of these deals for conference realignment and stuff just winds up well yeah they can get put a little more into facilities, but some of these schools are just paying the people who make the deals more. And frankly, that doesn't help anybody but those people. And so that's why when we talked about conference expansion, I was really annoyed with it because like, oh, they're going to make so much more money. That money doesn't always find its way to the right people. It winds up giving your athletic director or your fundraisers or your other people down the line more money and doesn't wind up finding its way to the players. And that happens a lot at a lot of schools. Now, how will Indiana handle it? Well, it's the first time Scott Dolson is going to have this much money at his disposal, and and we'll see how he handles it. I don't know. But a lot of times it ends up enriching the wrong people. And what this should do is create opportunities for the student-athletes to have better facilities, to have better training available for them, to have better – you know, meal services available to them to have better study services available available to them. All of that, and not just football and basketball, all sports. And I know that people say, well, in revenue terms, those other sports don't matter. But you know what? In Indiana, the sports Indiana has been traditionally best at are not revenue sports. Uh, soccer, uh, swimming, you know, swimming and diving. Baseball has been good lately. Like invest in those sports as well. Maybe they can help you. Uh, a little bit in revenue. If you make them a better part, I went to soccer games the entire time I was at Indiana and the the stadium was packed. If you can figure out a way to monetize that and make it better, do it. Um, So yeah, I really hope this doesn't just turn into bigger football facilities and bigger salaries for, uh, for the, for the administrators. I hope it actually turns into helping student athletes across the board uh, because they're without them, none of this is possible. And um, for basketball, 
you guys all know I would love a new arena at some point, whether that's 10 years down the road or what, I do think we need to start transitioning to a new arena. Uh, one that's more fan friendly, one that is better equipped to handle basketball games, one that has better sight lines and one that has more seats that are better. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I would say at least a third of the seats at assembly hall, at least if not more are terrible to watch a basketball game from. Let's go find a, a change and make it better. Other schools have improved their arenas, have made better arenas. I think Indiana needs one. I think it needs an arena that is commensurate with how good the basketball program can be. And hey, by the way, you get better facilities, more kids are going to come. NIL and better facilities are a huge part of the deal right now. I also think you need to redo the practice facility as often as possible because it's an arms race and everybody else is doing it. So uh, a lot of places that money could go. I really hope Indiana makes smart decisions with it because I think that those decisions, making smart decisions, can actually make it better for everybody. Overall, would you say this is a, a good deal um, for, for Indiana? I know you mentioned a couple things that were concerning about basketball. W would you say this is an overall good deal benefiting Indiana, short of the ESPN comments you made? Your thoughts? Uh, overall, yeah, because the, the financially it's the biggest deal in, in college sports history for a, for a conference, for a television deal. So obviously it's a good deal. I mean, they got, they got a lot of money. Now, look, the next time the SEC signs a TV deal, it's going to blow this out of the water. And then the next time somebody else signs one, it's going to blow. It's just, it's like, it's like sports contracts. It's like the quarterback contracts. There's always, a, the next one's always bigger and, and that's going to happen. Uh, but right now, I think, yes, it's a great deal. Uh, I do have the caveat that I wish they'd have basketball games on ESPN because I think ESPN is the king of college hoops and will continue to be so for the foreseeable future. Uh, that said, and also, by the way, ESPN's not going to cover the Big Ten that much yeah. anymore. They have no reason to. So they're going to talk up, you know, the ACC, the SEC, the whatever uh, suits them. And so uh, I do think it's a negative for the conference. I also think it's a negative for ESPN. So it goes both ways. But that's my only gripe with this. I think that obviously getting a huge deal like this is can be good for everybody and can be great for the schools and the student athletes if the money is used right. All right. Um, coming up on Assembly Call Radio, we're going to take a look at minute distribution possibilities for next year. So stick with us. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hi, this is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosier. 
Welcome back to Assembly Call Radio. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni. I'm joined tonight by Ryan Phillips. And uh, last week we had a really good question that we thought would take a, a lot of time at the end of the podcast. So we're just going to turn that into uh, our segment two discussion. And, and Phil asked Mike Schumann uh, of the Daily Hoosier, uh, and, and, and shout-outs to Mike. He does a lot of a good job covering the Hoosiers. But he wrote a story speculating on the number of minutes each player will average with commentary about rising or falling minutes over the course of the season. What do you guys say uh, about minutes? So, Phil, um, we're going to you know, take uh, what Mike started, and thanks, Mike, for starting uh, this conversation. We're just going to take it and, and, and shift it here. Um Obviously, this team, Ryan, is deeper than teams um, in, in recent Indiana history, and, and that in itself might mean a reshuffling of minutes. Uh, there's also the ideas that you want your best players to play as many minutes as are feasible and, and appropriate, um, and you have some players that can play multiple spots, uh, so it's not just one player subbing for another that is that are going to uh, play uh, a role in who gets the minutes. And if you look at last year's minutes, uh, as I said in between the segments here, it doesn't add up to 200 because different players play due to injury, suspension, whatever. Uh, it's their individual average. But you have 200 minutes uh, in a game to to try to distribute if you're Coach Woodson. So I guess, Ryan, what I, I'm going to say to you um, is what would be your overall philosophy of minutes and minutes distribution if you were Mike Woodson? Uh, I would trust my younger players. I would want to rest my starters more given that they really struggled to close last year. I mean, I know we the, the season ended on a high note with that streak of wins in the Big Ten tournament and then, you know, getting to the NCAA tournament. We forget that for the last two months of the season, this team really struggled to close. Even in some games they won, they closed poorly. And a lot of that, in my opinion, when you're making simple mistakes, taking bad shots, and you know your shots look flat, things like that, that's fatigue. Every single time, that's fatigue. Now, you have low basketball IQ plays and all of that stuff, but I think those increase as you get tired. This was a veteran team. It's going to be a veteran team this year. I think you need to keep your starters rested. So that final five minutes, you're ready to make a push as opposed to just hoping you don't lose. And, and so... I would reduce the minutes of the starters this year because you have that depth of the bench. And I've said it plenty of times on this podcast, and I'm going to keep saying it. Mike Woodson needs to trust the people he has given scholarships to. These young guys that you bring in, you're not bringing them in to train for three years to eventually be a starter. You're bringing them in to help you now. That is the way college basketball is now. It is different than when Mike Woodson was in school. You need to trust these kids now. You know, I think that, that Huchifino will play. I'd like to see Renault play a lot, but I also think you need to play Caleb Banks. I think you need to make sure that Tamar Bates is playing a lot. I think you need to make sure that Jordan Geronimo is playing more. I think you need to make sure that these guys are playing more because that's what you brought them in for, especially early in the season. Because regardless of what you think, those early season games against, say, Kansas, North Carolina, Arizona, I know you want to win those. But those wins or losses are less important than a regular season Big Ten game down the road. And so what I think you have to do is allow those guys to be thrown into the deep end and play against good competition early in the season. Let them get their confidence up against the bad competition. I mean, there were games last year where Trace Jackson Day was playing 35 minutes a game in the non-conference. That cannot happen this year. 
because you saw what happened at the end of the season. He caught a second wind at that last stretch of games. But before that, we saw him slowly struggling and struggling and struggling and struggling. And then you saw a guy like Race Thompson who gave his all all season completely burn out in the last two weeks of the season. So I think you need to prepare for that early. Bank those extra minutes and use them later in the season. I think that is my philosophy this year. If you can play Trace Jackson Davis 23 minutes in a non-conference game, 20, 23 minutes, do it. Score that every single time and bank those minutes for later in the season. Okay, so there, there, there's two things that, that lead to, to the next question. Do you, let, let me just go with this since you brought it up. So early on play, do you tighten your rotation and then do your better players get more minutes late so that – you know, and how does that affect the average? Uh, and then we'll go t- and look at the starter minutes, and, and I want to get your opinion on on how much they they will decrease uh, based off of off of last year. So, do you tighten the rotation, and do you see your better players later if they're the more year? fresh later in the year get more minutes than what you would say you just said against the the non conference early playing a lot of people? Yeah, I, I think you have to tighten your rotation as the games get more impactful. The problem is tightening the rotation for this to me, this team might be going from 12 to nine. I mean, <laughs> cause true. there's a lot of guys who can play early in the season. I, I really think there is. I mean, we've seen Anthony Leal, who's probably last on this list of players. You know, he's probably the last guy on your roster. We've seen him be an effective player in college basketball before and have solid minutes and contribute and, you know, move the ball offensively and play some solid defense and, you know, hit some shots and all that he needs to hit more shots. If he's going to see the floor, but You've seen him play effective college basketball, and he's probably dead last on the bench. And I hope that's not the case. I hope we see a great Anthony Leal this year because that's going to be good news for Indiana. But if you're just looking at pure talent and how they line up, that's where it sits. And that guy can play at this level. And so you look at guys like C.J. Gunn. Does he redshirt? I mean, you have so much depth, you might redshirt a C.J. Gunn. Uh, Logan Duncan, you'd love to see him get minutes this year as a backup center. How much has he progressed? Uh, Caleb Banks, everybody talking about how that guy probably coming in, you thought maybe he'd get a few minutes because of the depth on the wing, but you're talking about maybe a guy who can really be an impact player this year, given what we've heard from practice. So I do think as the season goes on, you have to tighten the rotation. Do I know what that looks like before this team gets on the floor? Absolutely not. Could be eight players, uh, you know, could be 10. Uh, You really don't know. Uh, But I think that the depth is a good thing as long as you use it and you need to use it, you know, Acting like you can sit a guy for three games, then have then when you need to use him, bring him in, and he'll be effective is not is not the way it works. You got to get these guys reps to get them better and, and and have them be more effective. Younger players are not going to get better unless you play them in games. I don't care how often you practice with them, how intense the practices are. It's a different animal when you get the game. You know that as a coach, coach. It is a different animal when you're on the floor, and the only way you're going to improve is by getting game experience. There, there is nothing better than game experience. Uh, and, and if you get eight or nine minutes, that's really not enough game experience either sometimes. But sometimes when you have nine, 10, 11 guys that can play, someone's only going to get those eight or nine minutes. But if you're playing 16, 17 minutes, you're going to learn more. That, that's just yep. that's just clear cut. There, there, you, you bring up the, a couple things, and I hope I remember them to, to get back to them. But how you get your minutes matters just as much as what the final, like Trace Jackson Davis averaged 32.1 minutes last year, which on the face of it isn't bad. You want your best players uh, probably around 30, above 30. But there were some games that he didn't have to play 39 minutes, that he played 38, 39 minutes. There were some games where he was in foul trouble early, 
and sat out 15, 16 minutes in the in the first. So the average comes down to 32 minutes. It wasn't consistently getting 32. He wasn't yeah. just getting 32 and sitting four minutes in the first half and four minutes in the second half. If you could if you could make sure that happened, that's not bad either because you got the depth to put Renault in or maybe even throw Duncan in for, for a minute. Sitting Trace Jackson Davis four minutes in the first half and four in the second is ideal. But, you, but I think it's cumulative throughout the season yep. minutes. So – you brought let me, that let me up, and I think that's this. really important how they're subbed in, how they're used, uh, and, and how they're developed uh, is probably just as much uh, – it's probably more important than looking at the, the minutes that we have the here on the run sheet. You're right. Because, um, like, you know, in a blowout, you want him to get 23 minutes. You know, right. that's going to bring it down. Like, But let me say this. I, I hear this excuse all the time from people. Hey, they're in their early 20s. They can handle it. Uh no. Nobody can handle 38 minutes of Big Ten basketball a bunch of times in a row. It's exhausting, especially when you rely on somebody as much on both ends of the floor as you do Trace Jackson Davis. You need to rest these guys, especially if you want them effective at the end of the season. And let's be real, the end of the season is what matters. So this whole thing about, well, they're young, they'll be fine. No, that affects anybody. It affects professionals. There's a reason why starters in the NBA sit out for huge chunks of the second quarter and third quarter, early fourth quarter. Uh, because they cannot play 48 minutes a game. They can't do that. And those are guys who are professionals who, quite frankly, spend their entire lives working on being in shape just to play basketball. These kids are not that. They have limited practice time. They have limited workout time. They have to study. They have to do all these other things. They are not built to play 40 minutes a game, eight games a year, It's you know, plus 30 minutes a game for the rest of the season. Nobody is built to do that. And so especially a star who's getting beat on the entire time, getting smacked around, getting shoved around, getting screened, getting fouled, all of that. It affects people, regardless of whether or not it should or whatever. He's not just running for 40 minutes. It's a physical, physical game, especially in the Big Ten, and it wears people out. There are minor injuries. There's nicks, nicks and bumps and bruises. Guys play through things the whole season. you got to limit their exposure so that when you need them for a 40-minute game against – Purdue late in the season, he can go the 40 minutes and be effective for that whole 40 minutes. You don't want to do that regularly, though. So you have to reduce those minutes. Okay. So in Mike Schumann's article, he went down and gave tried to give an actual breakdown. We're going to do it in a similar way, but I'm going to start with you mentioned the starters have to decrease minutes in, in your opinion and will be more efficient. So it's it's worth noting before we start, coach, that Parker Stewart averaged 24 and a half minutes last year. He's gone. Right. Rob Finnessy averaged 18.3 minutes. He's gone. And Michael Durr had 7.1 7. minutes in right. 30 games last year and he's gone. So those are open minutes that right. will be filled. So uh, the starters last year if we went were Trace uh, uh X race uh, Stewart and Miller Cop were the ones who yes. started, were in the main rotation. Trace Jackson Davis had 32 minutes. Xavier Johnson was 27.6. Race Thompson, 28.5. Parker Stewart, 24.5. And Miller Cop, 25.2. So if we put, uh, you're either going to put Tamar Bates in for Stewart as a starter, or you're going to go Jalen Hood Shafino as that starter. Um, I know we've talked about whether Miller Cop should start or not, but let's just say we have four starters back and we have another one filling in. Do all of those guys' minutes reduce, or who are who are you okay with in that segment? Um, when when well, I, I think did, Miller Cop is out of the starting rotation too. Yeah, I think his I, minutes are going to drop I would the say, most. I would say three starters essentially back, mm-hmm. okay. uh, and I think Miller's going to drop to a to a bench role. 
if I'm guessing right. So I think Tamar Bates takes one of those spots, and I think Jalen Huchifino takes one of those spots. I think Huchifino, as we've talked about, will swing between – he'll start with the starters and swing and lead the second unit. If I'm coaching, that's what I right. do. I would have one uh, of those on the floor at all times. At all times. He he, or Xavier have to be on the yes. floor at all times. And a lot of times Barring together. foul trouble or an right. injury, yes. So let's just start with Trace, 32.1. I, I Up or down? His, I would drop his minutes to around 30, 31. I know it's not a mm-hmm. huge drop, but I think by the end of the season, you're seeing him with 30 minutes a game works for me. And considering that I think some early season games, he's going to be playing very, you know, right. 20. You I know. would agree with you on that. I said 32 um, because you want your best player playing in the thirties, but they got to be smart minutes. And that leads to yeah. what you're I saying. Think somewhere too. between 30, 32. Yeah. yeah that, that's what you're saying too. When, when, when you got a, a good lead or, or you force feed Renault and, and dunk him a little bit in, in these buy games um, and, and let those minutes save for the end where you have, might have to play him a little bit more. Um, all the other four spots uh, I, I thought uh, should be dropped uh, in, in minutes played uh, some, and that, by no means does that mean we don't think these players are productive or good basketball players. We, I just think less minutes means fresher bodies at the end and better overall play, uh, yeah. individually and collectively. What do you think races minutes from 28 to, to what, uh, in, in your opinion, um, what would make him productive? His, I'm going to see his minutes drop. I would say 24, 25 probably yeah. uh, with Malik Renault getting a lot of time on the floor. I think that – gets bumped up. We can also see Trace play multiple positions. I think he can play the center position to fill in for uh, TJD when he's out. I think you can also see him step out on the floor and play some of that four out, one in stuff with Trace in there. So I think that he could play with multiple people uh, in different alignments. Uh, so but so I, I do think his minutes will drop. Uh, Mike Schumann thought they were going to drop to the 22 range. I don't think it'll be that low. I think he just provides so much energy you need to have on the floor. I would say in the 20. 425 range yep I, I was there with 24 Xavier was such a key for Indiana when he really got going in the second half and, and really in that run in the Big Ten tournament and the NCAA uh, first uh, first round game um, 27.6 minutes last year that means he's sitting out about six minutes a game a lot of that was foul trouble um, when, yeah. when, when he did have to sit started 34 34 games where do you see his minutes uh, I do think they'll drop a little bit, but I think it'll be in the same range. I think it'll be 26, 27. Yeah. I think he's so important. And I think he was a closer for Indiana last year. And if his, if his shot is, is as consistent as it was late in the year, I think he's going to be vitally important to have on the floor. Uh, I think 26, 27 in that range. If he was at 20, was it 27 and a half last year? Yep. I think it's going to be in that range again. I think they're really going to rely on him. Uh, but I think a lot of that, those minutes are going to come late in the season when he's getting 36, 37, uh, I think that's going to stretch that. I think early in the season you'll see him playing reduced minutes. So that leaves the other two spots, which were Parker Stewart and Miller Cop, 24.5, 25.2. I thought those guys played a lot of minutes. I don't see those two spots, whoever they go to, getting that kind of run. I think it's going to be shared between a lot of potential players in that two and that three, and it could go to a hot hand. It could go to who you're playing if you need a shooter versus an attacker. You know, you, you might need a Galloway more against some teams. You might need, you know, Tamar Bates if he's if he's having a good game. I think that gives flexibility. Um I don't think the two other starting spots get 24, 25 minutes. Uh, agree or, or disagree? Or where do you see those no, I think spots it's going to? Um, I think it's less than that. Uh, and I think here's what I, what I had listed. 
I had Jalen Huchifino probably getting about 22, 21 to 22 minutes a game. And I had Tamar Bates getting about the same 20 to 22 minutes a game, somewhere in there um, playing with the starters, probably the first guys out depending on how hot they are. And then coming back, maybe helping that second unit a little bit and then potentially being the closers. Uh, one of, one of those two guys being on with the closers, if somebody else gets hot, you leave that person in. But I think that, that there's some variance there, what you can do. But I think both in the 20 to 22 minute range, maybe a little bit more, um, depending on how they develop, it's really going to depend on how they show up though. I mean, right. like if tomorrow, if tomorrow develops the way he's supposed to, he may be a 25 minute, a game guy but you know from what we've seen and just giving a gradual development to both those guys 20 to 22 for me is what i see i think that's fair from what we saw from tomorrow last year and and we all want i want jalen hood shafino to be a 28 minute guy because that means he's really the 23rd best player and everyone's shouting him out you know gary Parrish on his podcast today was really high praise of of hood shafino so i think you're right both those guys could explode up if they play well uh and and but again, I think you need to be cautious with freshmen. I, yeah, I think I think Renault and, and Hood Shafino, because they played at Mount Verde, are ready to come in and get eighteen to twenty-four minutes, depending on how quick they pick up defense, how they quick they pick up the offense. I think those guys are the real deal. But they're not going to be the reason Indiana goes to the Sweet Sixteen. They're going to be complementary yep. players this year, and then the leaders uh, of the team in the following year. So you're going to see sixteen to eighteen minutes. I think from. From that whole group, uh, Jalen Hood, Shafino, Bates, Cop, Galloway, Renault, and throw in Geronimo there. I think the range is anywhere from 14 to 22, um, depending on matchups, depending on who's playing well and who's competing in practice. Uh, that's where th- that's where your depth piece is. You have your three starters who are going to be over 25 minutes uh, with TJD over 30 minutes, and maybe X close to 30 if he if he's really playing well. And then the rest have to really battle for those remaining minutes. And if you go down and try to break up 200 minutes, you're going to have to have some guys at 14, 16, 20, 22 minutes. Um, And then how those are rotated in. We all talk about the mass subs. And then you have room for a guy like Banks, who I think is going to play every game. But it might be four minutes this half, four minutes that next half. So he's going to get six to ten. And then the others, Gunn, Leal, and Duncan are going to fit in where they can in, in, in blowouts, early season by games. If there's injuries, I think those guys are capable of coming in and playing some bench minutes. But it's interesting when you really break down to try to get to 200, who's going to get that 14? I have Geronimo at 14, Galloway at 16, Cop at 16, Renault and Hood Shafino at 22, and Bates at 20. Uh, yeah, I've got and, Renault at about 17, 18. Yep. I've got Cop at about 14, uh, Geronimo 14, 15. Uh, banks at 10, but I mean, that's, that's optimistic. Yeah. And then you got, you know, Duncan gun Leo, all about four minutes, you know, something yep. like that. Uh, but again, it's going to depend on, you know, I will say this is, I mean, there's a reason we do this exercise just to kind of game out what we're expecting, but you know, it really depends on a guy like Geronimo. Does he develop his three point shot? Can he be on there and do multiple things? Well, he might bump up to 20, uh, you know, Duncan. Can he be a legit fill-in on the second unit for Trace Jackson Davis? Well, maybe he's getting 10, you know, 10 to 15 if he's really good. Um, Trey Galloway, can he make a three-point shot? Right. Because here's the thing with Caleb Banks, a playmaker who can shoot, he may take uh, uh, Trey Galloway's minutes. Does he come back healthy? Does he Is he able to provide that energy but also maybe knock down 
20% from three point range. You know, I mean, even take a small step there. Yeah. Um, or are people going to play 10 feet off him and dare him to shoot all game? I mean, it really depends on what these guys have done. Miller cop. Can he shoot as he's capable of? If he can, then he's a leader on that second unit. He's probably getting yeah. 16 to 18. And maybe I think playing with the starter some. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to admit Ryan that, um, you know, I, I think I'm letting Miller cops performance, shaky performance, last year um, swayed me a little too much. I know he had a horrible foot issue that he fought his way yes. through that limited his movement. And, you know, we talk about his ability to drive off the bounce and his pull-up game and guarding people and everything. But Cop does seem like a leader, does seem like someone that Coach trusts. So we have him at 16, you have him at 14. I wonder if Coach Woodson just – looks at him a lot different and probably sees him a lot different because he sees him all the time. That's one where I think I will be an heir in, in judging the minutes um, because I'm looking maybe at potential and talent and athletic ability. There's a lot of intangibles with Miller cop that maybe he gets up to the 20, but uh, again, if he goes up from 16 to 20 for me or 14 for 20 for you, now we got to look at hood Shafino dropping uh, Renault dropping or Bates dropping, someone like that. That's the interesting thing about being a coach, too, is you got to find ways to keep people playing and find enough basketballs for people. But I think I, I think Woodson likes Cop a lot better than everyone else likes Cop would be my guess. Yeah, and and I think that's true. I think he also defers to older guys a lot. Right. I think that's a tendency he has to break. The best players should play, not the oldest players. Right. And we saw that a lot last year as an issue. And so um, – I think that it's 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 really something a tendency he has to break. And, and I get that you want veterans and you want you know whatever, um, but I do think that it's it's something that he has to be willing to if a guy is struggling to recognize that and make changes. And I don't think he was quick to do that last year. So yeah. um, I do think that Miller. I think his best position. I thought I think we saw him play some of his best when he was a shooter on that second unit. Yeah. last year and i think that's where his now most natural fit is with this team and, love and him I'm, as a leader love him in the locker yeah. room love all that stuff but i think that he's better. and by the way miller cop improved tremendously defensively last right. year i have to give him credit for that as the season went on i thought he played much better defensively i'm holding out hope too that there's a lot more uh, ability to deck it and bounce the ball and that leaves his corner shots open because you're either going to sit out there and on, on miller cop or you're going to have to cut off the lane when you got multiple drivers and and people who can put the ball on, on the floor so I'm holding out hope that he'll he'll be better because the offense in general will, will be better. But it's not easy um, dividing these minutes up when you have players who can play. Um, it's a nice problem to have as opposed to only having five or six. But North Carolina went to the championship game last year and basically played five or six. Yeah. Um, I don't know that that's ideal. Uh, what is your ideal as a coach – Number of rotation players, can you play 10-11 effectively, keep people happy, and win? Or is it more of a 8-9 man rotation if you were the coach? I think 10 will be great for this team throughout the season, and then you probably tighten it in the NCAA tournament to about 8 or 9. Um, but I think this these days, especially with the way they want to play with up-tempo and a very aggressive defense – I think more players is better for what this style of offense. And I think that last year, North Carolina, you're right. They did play fewer guys, but you also saw those guys kind of burn out late. Right. And they really struggled in the second half of that championship game. When you're playing two games in three days, two very intense games in three days, you saw that second half of that championship game, they melted down. And so I think that more is always better. Uh, if you can, if those guys can play at the right level, 
And so, yeah, I think eight or nine is probably your ideal number. Uh, regular season, do what you can. I mean, right. you know, if you're playing Nebraska, go 12. You know what I mean? Like, you know, use what you can use and get those guys to to have a have a play. And the, every game's important, too, when you talk about bracketology and wanting to get the right seed number, too. Uh, but you got to play the long game sometimes, too, as a coach and know that you're going to be a good team. You're going to win your fair share. you got to really have your thumb on when can you get those guys some experience and some minutes, especially your guys 8, 9, 10, maybe 11, to keep them fresh in case there's an injury, in case there's a need uh, in the Big Ten tournament, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, that That's an art. That That's an area where – we were somewhat skeptical skeptical of Coach Woodson last year in, in his sub patterns. Minutes are valuable, not just from a um, a stats uh, point, but I'll go back to your point, Ryan. Too is you want to be playing your best basketball in late February, March, and you want to have legs uh, and game minutes. Uh, yeah, you practice two hours, you lift weights, and you do all that stuff so you get ready. But game minutes and travel and all of that have a tendency to, to wear you out. So you got to be very judicious with your minute distribution. Um, any, any last thoughts on, on minutes for this team? We'll know more when we see people play too yeah. on who's playing well and who's not. And that'll shift the minutes. Just to reiterate, I think it's very important to conserve minutes early in the season. Those non-conference games are not for your starters to rack up stats. They're for your team to develop. And so you've got to develop the young guys who are then going to help you later in the season. I mean, what happens? Xavier Johnson, God forbid, gets hurt. You're relying on him so much. You need Jalen Hitchifino to pick up the slack. Hey, it'd be great if he can be getting in a ton of minutes, building up confidence early in the season so that when he enters Big Ten play, he's riding high as opposed to having to figure it out against Big Ten teams. Uh, I think that sort of happened to Tamar Bates last year was he was playing well, and then he came back from a personal issue and – had to start over essentially. And he was starting over right as big 10 season started. And I really think that stunted his growth. So I think that you need to get these guys on the floor as much as possible. Guys like Renault, who you're going to be relying on guys like Bates, guys like Geronimo, get them in the rotation, play them more, play and, your and best. get them ready for big 10 play. Yeah. I like everything about that. Well, thanks, thanks coach. We appreciate it. Um, okay. Coming up on assembly call, we're going to answer your questions. Uh, so stay tuned. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And... Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. 
Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. What's up, y'all? It's Devontae Green giving you the green light to watch Assembly Call after every IU game. Just don't listen to their opinions about shot selection. Remember, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Go Hoosiers. Welcome back to Assembly Call Radio. I'm the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Joining me is Ryan Phillips, making his return from the uh, disabled list. We're glad to have him back and and healthy. Uh, It's now time for our mailbag. All questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about and join at assemblycall.com backslash community. Uh, a lot of good things going there. So we got about four or five questions, uh, and we're going to run through these here real quick. Uh, Sammy Jacobs of Hoosier Huddle says, um, what does IU need to do with this money? We already kind of answered that, Sammy, in the in the first part, but um, spend it wisely on, on facilities, spend it on fan experience uh, engagement, um, and, and spread it around, I, I think. I know you, you probably want it spent on football, uh, being the, the football guy, but um, – Spread it around um, the university uh, and don't just hide it in pockets. Or I think Ryan's comment there about hiding that money. And then he said, does also, does Coach need beer for the tailgate? Uh, always. 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 Uh, if you're looking for something to bring uh, to the Tonsoni slash assembly call tailgate, bring water, ice, or beer. Uh, all of that is always, always needed. Uh, next question, Phil Samuel says, can Big Ten – network negotiate for more of the games um, to be on their network rather than Peacock, or is it locked in at this point during um, negotiations? Um, how does that work? D- was there announced a pecking order of who gets what games? Does the Big Ten network just get the games that are left over, or is there some way of – I know the bigger networks get to pick their games they want first probably. And then it goes down. But the streaming and the Big Ten network seem to be on the same kind of level. Do you have any idea how that's going to work? No, I don't. And I'll have to investigate that, how the Big Ten fits into it. Really, every article I read was just about the big networks. And so I, I would think the Big Ten network gets whatever is left over on that schedule. Um, but certainly it's going to change. Um, it's going to certainly start to change, you know, uh, what the Big Ten Network can get based on this new deal and and having to spread around the love to so many different places. So um, I'm not sure, um, but we'll have to we'll have to I'll I'll, I'll try and look into that. Um, our fan Hooperazzi, my uh, tailgate van babysitter, um, asked this question. Will younger viewers using streaming services miss out on being able to switch between three or four games playing out simultaneously uh, using uh, the remote? And and that's the first question. Uh, We'll just answer that. He's got a second question that's good, too. Does it interfere with the old, uh, you know, previous channel or 
or, or multiple you, screens, Joel. It's, it's going to be multiple screens. screens. But I, you know, I also think that a lot of these games are going to be on television. I mean, let's yeah. be let's be real. And so, if you do have a television, you know, a lot of the streaming services will be right on your TV. You can switch back and forth between those. Uh, I agree that it does change the way we've watched things. I mean, let me put it this: there's no better NFL experience than watching Red Zone on a Sunday and getting everything. You know, there's no better NFL experience than that, uh, especially as somebody who does not have a team anymore. Uh, in case you heard, I'm not a Charger fan anymore. I don't know if that's ever come up on the show before, but um, no, it's uh, but but it, so I do agree that like being able to bounce between games and see different things and see key moments and stuff is a huge deal. Uh, but I think a lot of the younger generation do have multiple screens going at the same time, whether it's phone, computer, and TV or or whatever. I think that's a big thing and. On a computer, you can open multiple games at the same time anyway on different networks and different streaming services. So I think that is usually what most people who are in the younger generation are doing. And us older generation who are just ate up about sports have two direct TVs uh, monitors. We have a Roku and a Fire Stick on a monitor and the computer so I can have five screens. Um, I, I, I watch that many games for the, for the bracketology. It's quite the setup and it's quite ridiculous, to be honest. In this day and age, I need to go out and you know, take a hike and read a book uh, rather than, than that. But there are ways to do that. He also said with the delay in streaming uh, and how long, he says up to two to three minute delay, does it affect live gambling? And how about those of us in group chats and tweeting? How, how do we go about doing that now when everyone's streaming might be delayed? I mean, people are already doing that with Big Ten Network and stuff. I mean, it's annoying as heck. I agree, uh, but it's just a, a just a fact of life. I don't know how it's going to affect gambling, really, um, but it certainly will affect. You know, spoiler alerts when you're watching with people. It already does, and uh, it, it, all you have to do is see the assembly call running uh, group chat to be like, I'm like five minutes behind you guys. Shut up! Like every you know every other game. So. Um, yeah, I think that uh, it's certainly going to be an issue, and it's certainly something people are already starting to deal with. Um, but, you know, it's something you're going to have to live with in the future now. I um, I have that problem when I have the live stats up, and, and it's just on regular TV coming through direct TV that you see the score change, and it's before. five seconds or ten seconds yeah. before for the action. So I got to actually I minimize that until I need to – I try to only watch that during timeouts. Um, so I don't, don't have to have anything, um, ruin that. Um, Valerie, uh, ask any word on Trey's groin injury recovery or ex legals trouble. I have none. Uh, I have no. not heard anything. No I'd imagine you're going to see Trey do a little bit or nothing at the fan fest. If he's doing nothing, you know, that he's in a recovery phase. If he's doing a little bit of drills or something, you know, he's probably progressing, but I have, I have nothing. Have you heard anything, Ryan? No. Nothing yet. Um, we'll start to hear more as the fall progresses, I think. And uh, I'm sure that Mike Woodson will come out and say something at some point, but nothing behind the scenes coming out because there's really nobody getting a look at him. Philip Jones asks, uh, I've always thought that Pat Graham was one of the best pure shooters ever to play at Indiana. I believe he shot around 57% from three-point line in the senior year. How would Ryan evaluate his shooting motion? So, Philip, I'm going to promise you this. We're going to hold on to this question for next week. I will go back and watch Pat Graham footage, and I will come back with a reasoned, uh, effective take on his three-point shooting. Is that a deal? Okay, because I didn't expect this question, so I didn't study ahead of time. And it's been a while since I've watched Pat Graham shoot. So give me a week. 
I'll go find what footage I can, and we'll talk about it next week. All right, so there you have it, a, a Pat Graham shot doctor analysis uh, coming up uh, in, in the future. And then my last question, it's move-in week, Ryan. Um, any memories from the first time you set foot on campus or the multiple times that uh, you moved in um, when you were a, a, a student, co-ed, uh, undergrad, whatever you want to say, in Bloomington? So I started driving out to Indiana. I was a transfer, as you, many of you know, and uh, I dr- started driving out OB 19 years on Tuesday, 19 years ago. It was the day after my birthday. Drove out to Indiana. Uh, I had bought a condo, moved into the condo, and the day we moved in, it was 90 degrees with 95% humidity. Welcome to Indiana. It was uh, it was great, guys. I sweated through, I think, three shirts before I was done moving everything in. Uh, then drove around and went out and bought furniture and all that stuff and did all those things. I, I moved out with uh, my best friend growing up, who some of you have met at some of the meetups. Uh, and uh, it was, you know, a great experience. Just walked around campus, you know, got my first taste. I had visited a couple of times, but had, you know, it was my move in. And man, was it hot and humid and nasty and sticky and all of those, uh, all of those things you don't get in San Diego very often. Um, but obviously a really fun time. That first two weeks was really great and uh, loved it. And so congratulations to everybody who's moving in for the first time or for their sophomore, junior, senior years, especially those seniors enjoy it. Um, and uh, good luck to everybody getting acclimated. So, so for me, it, uh, my mom, bless her, bless her heart. She just really cared for me. I guess I was a little bit of a mama's boy, but she moved everything in and put it in drawers and folded everything for me. And my dad, I'll never forget, he took me out in the hallway. He said, just let her do this. And then when we leave, move the shit wherever you want to. Um, so that was uh, right quad in, in 1985. Um, and then uh, the sadness of moving in was fine until I, uh, my parents remembered in Martinsville that they had my checkbook. So they drove back down. We had another sad episode of freshman move in. Um, Remember that. I remember moving my uh, our boys into apartments and taking them shopping for the first time. So move-in week is is exciting. Bloomington is alive when the students come there. I know there are a variety of opinions on people uh, who live in Bloomington, but uh, it is a college town, and we wish everyone a, a great school year. Uh, everyone who works down there to to have uh, uh, a good um, a good run. But uh, that's gonna uh, do it for. Um, this week on uh, Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thanks to Bob Thompson for producing our music, and thanks to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you uh, soon, probably next Thursday. Uh, Hopefully nothing comes up. But until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. You bet. All right, Ryan. Gr- glad to have you back. Glad you're feeling better. Thanks, guys. Recovery is slow. It takes about a month, but I'm feeling much better. Thank you for all who reached out and uh, wished me a speedy recovery from the surgery. I can breathe now, which is a positive. It's a big, big change in my life. Always a plus. Always a plus. Always a plus. So... All right, everyone, stay connected uh, to us on social media and in the community. Let us know if there's anything you want us to talk about. Uh, We'll be back again next Thursday. We're getting closer and closer. Enjoy the Fan Fest. For those of you who are going to head to Bloomington, enjoy. Let us know what goes on there. 
if you and, uh, if you aren't planning on going, go. It should be a yeah. really fun event. A uh, chance to take a look at the team. Chance to have some fun. So and money uh, always goes to go. a good cause. We're raising money. Uh, so have fun on on the weekend. Be safe, everyone. Um, we want to. We're going to have a good basketball season. We want everyone around and healthy. Uh, so we'll see you guys. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian, or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, "What is happy birthday in German?" Or, "How do you say hello in Japanese?" Do you want to know how to say "I love you" in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.